Amen. Enjoyed that? Amen. That was good. We're going to ask the uh, kids' choir again, right? Okay. Kids' choir is going to come up, so if they can start making their way up now. While they're coming, let's sing, um, sing God is Good all the time. Well, God is good all the time. It's a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. Through the darkest night, His light will shine. God is good. God is good. shadows all around will not fear he will guide you he will keep you safe and sound he has promised never leave you nor forsake you and his word is good God is good all the time He puts a song of praise In this heart of mine God is good All the time Through the darkest night His light will shine God is good My God is good All the
future right there. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to ask the ushers to come as we get ready to uh, have Brother Barry come. Brother Jeff, if you could ask the blessing on the offering. At night I lay in bed And I began to cry And my mind just fails to know Exactly why Well, I can't explain With tongue or pen, the Spirit's groanings deep within, for it must be God here in my soul, cause I feel the pull, and I feel the Will I hear the call?
Sister Becky would continue to play that. I want to bring one special prayer request before us this morning before we uh, carry on with the service, and that is for Brother Tim Ashong. Uh, Brother Tim had a setback this week. He had, as I told you before, he had a, uh, a leakage there from the first surgery and uh, went back for the second scan. And when they uh, were prepping him for that scan, all of his vitals were out of whack. They were all all elevated. And uh, by the time that the doctors found out what was the problem, uh, this infection began to uh, uh, enter into his bloodstream. And so they diagnosed him with E. coli. And uh, as a result, they admitted him into hospital, and he was in very serious condition. He has to have a port and to have antibiotic treatment for the next 30 days. Uh, so he is... Um, very thankful for the prayers, uh, those that knew. And uh, today, I just had a word from him. Today, Lord willing, around noon, he's going to be released and uh, going back home. We still have the situation for him, uh, making sure that he gets his immigration cleared out. And um, Lord willing, he's going to be going to Canada to do that. But uh, we're still in a very critical uh, time period for, for them. So if you don't mind, Tim in prayer uh, today. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence today, Lord, as one group of very privileged people to know you, Lord, and to actually have a, a pull in our hearts, Lord, not for the things of this world, but a pull from another kingdom, from another land. And Lord Jesus, we feel that pull this morning, and there's just something so sacred about gathering with your people, Lord, in this place. There's something special, Lord, when you come among us and you sweep through, Lord, with your presence and everything changes, Lord. Everything is different. And we just long to hear a word from you. Lord, may in our hearts and our lives you look at us through the blood of Jesus Christ and may we be forgiven of anything that may be contrary to the moving and the blessing of the Holy Spirit. There are many needs among us, Lord, we know, and we've mentioned some of them. And Father, we pray today for each one and know, Lord, that you're a God who you're able to be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. And Lord, we pray especially for Brother Tim today and ask, oh God, that you would be gracious to him. Lord, he's your servant. He's labored hard in many, many parts of the world. And now, Lord, we pray as a congregation that you would bind up his wounds, Lord. Take care of all infection, all problems, Lord. And may he be released today, Lord, with a good report. And Father, for his immigration and all those connections, Lord, that need to be made, we just lay it at your feet today. We want to say we love you and we thank you for this gathering, Lord. And we pray that you would speak to us now through your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. 
Amen and amen. Shake somebody's hand near you. Say, God bless you, pilgrim, and you may be seated tonight. Thank you, musicians. We'll let you take your places here uh, today. Great to have all of you with us today. Uh, we're missing uh, a number of folks, but we're glad for each and every one of you and for our visitors, Julian, Caroline. God bless you. Always good to see you, and uh, uh, great to have the Bennetts here from South Africa. God bless you. Uh, good to see you again. Let's jump right into it. We've got a lot of things that we want to do today. Uh, our, uh, John, if you'd wait, if you don't mind, just, just hang out, uh, grab a seat there. I'm going to get you to come up. Uh, birthday, December 10th, Hannah Harwell. And uh, Hannah, God bless you. And uh, Josh and Kristen Godwin, they're away for the weekend, I think. And uh, we miss them. December 12th, Joe and Lisa Pascal had their, had their anniversary and uh, Ben McCafferty's birthday. Isn't it amazing how that all of a sudden you discover a great wealth of musical talent in the McCafferty family that laid hidden all of these years? And Anyway, God bless your brother Ben. December 14th was Hannah Whitlock's birthday. December 16th, Sister Kim Ward's 75th birthday. Sister Kim, God bless you. We love you and appreciate you very much. Uh, December 21st, Ben McCafferty's birthday. Wow. We're just going to move right on with that one. December 21st, Lucas Walters. When is your birthday? Or do you actually have two? Yeah. 21st, okay. If anyone gave him a present on the 12th, you can have it back and just see Ben in the lobby afterwards. Uh, December 23rd is Henry Coffey's birthday. Henry, how are it going to be on your birthday? Nine years old. Wonderful. I'm proud of it. And December 24th is Hope Pritchard. Hope, how old are you going to be on your birthday? Five years old. God bless you. No fooling around there. Knoblox had their anniversary as well. Good to have you today. How many years? 34 years. God bless you. We appreciate you both. Well, as uh, we have just returned from Africa and uh, had quite a trek uh, on that journey there. It was a wonderfully profitable trip. We're going to play a little portion of our, uh, some of our footage. And I've got some pictures that I want to show you. I'm going to have Brother John just speak very briefly here this morning and uh, tell a little bit about his experience. And uh, when we were in Africa, we, had, we uh, had a couple of very talented tech fellows, and we brought our drone and our drone allowed us to be able to get above uh, the groups and the churches and the towns and uh, get some outstanding footage. We're putting all of that together, and it's going to be a documentary that we're going to show you uh, of uh, life in Arusha and then out in the bush. So this is just a little clip of that uh, footage that we're going to show you here this morning. We have volume? All right. So this is just a, a, little, a little intro that we're going to use here.
make you want to go. Uh, we were uh, just excited about, okay, let's go to the next one there, if you will. And uh, just a couple of pictures here, and then we'll have Brother John come. And uh, we traveled uh, in for two days. This was, this was our home on wheels. And uh, we traveled long distances together in these uh, jungle vehicles here, the Land Rovers. And uh, this is one of our drivers here. And uh, put us into the uh, territory right on the border. If you look on the map, right exactly on the border between Kenya and Tanzania. In one place, we were about 500 feet, I think, from the border of, uh, from Kenya. And everywhere we stopped and everywhere we had lunch, this is a lunch stop here, everywhere we went, there was uh, local people who were tending flocks and herding sheep and so forth. And uh, so it was really interesting. But these are, this is the way people live. This is their, uh, their lifestyle. And uh, this was inside the church. They're inside a rented building at the moment, and they have land for a future church. But uh, this is inside a, a government-built classroom that they have uh, where we held services there. Uh, with the folks in that part of the world. And then we went and visited one of the believers' homes. And uh, naturally, all the neighbors came, and they were all just standing around fascinated with the, uh, with the group that were there. I didn't realize it, but the people in the church had been under pressure from the local community about not really having a pastor, not having any headship, not having uh, their own building. And they were looked down upon because... Uh, they were considered, you know, just a loose gathering of, of, of people. And uh, then we showed up, and uh, all of a sudden this group had great credibility that these people would come from North America and visit these people here. The mayor happened to be in the, in the service that day, and he's a part of the Pentecostal group. And uh, he came to me afterwards and talked to me about the, the group of people there. So uh, the, their whole image changed in the community just by our visit uh, during that time, this is a group from Kitandeni who are uh, experiencing the drought, and we got. Uh, they came because they're Maasai. They came all the way over to Loliando uh, to be with the people. I think some of them are related, and uh, they came over. But this is a group where uh, the famine has actually taken place, and uh, this uh, is just some of the folks that are in the church there. And this is the one of the tribal elders. Uh, in the village in Loliando, and we're actually standing on the land that these believers have now to be able to build a church. So they received the land free from the local government, and as soon as we showed up, I I said, I'd like to see the land where the church is going to be. And uh, the local Maasai elder came, and uh, he was uh, quite interested in shaking everybody's hand, and he, he wanted to meet me and so forth. And uh, I have to tell you that quite proudly, uh, I'm now one of the Maasai elders in this town. And for those of you that are laughing, I need to tell you that they actually did do a ceremony and gave me a shawl and my staff, right? And uh, they, they, uh, the believers uh, bestowed that on me. And in, in absentia, also Sister Becky and uh, gave us the full outfit uh, for the Maasai people. So uh, you get a shock one day if I walked out dressed like that, but uh, it could easily happen. So this was uh, the little place where we stayed, and this is one of the homes of the, uh, the folks in the church there, built entirely by the sister, uh, the wife of, what was her name, John? Aunt, Aunt Bolina? And uh, she had built the house, and there's, we have footage of being inside the house there, and uh, it was uh, quite an experience to be able to go inside there. 
And so we headed back to Arusha, uh, then in the vehicles there, and uh, passed by the local towns, local markets, until we got back with Brother Elias, uh, back in town again. For those of you that contributed to the Sunday school effort there, uh, this was a great blessing. And Brother Ben had the opportunity to go and visit their Sunday school. And you'll get more footage and information and video clips on this uh, a little bit later. I just wanted to show you some of the faces here. And these kids were very excited. We had a th- over a thousand toothbrushes and 60 pounds of toothpaste that we gave out to everybody. And uh, among all the other things that were given by the folks here to bring uh, out of uh, Brother Peter's uh, Sunday School organization. We call it an organization. And uh, they were very excited to get uh, these materials here. And uh, they were also very happy to have their picture made. Peter, or sorry, William uh, had a uh, distribution time where he met all the kids and gave them all some candy and so forth for uh, for his visit. And then, of course, we had uh, three services, four services uh, in Arusha, and that's William. He's my volunteer. And then uh, we had the opportunity, which was a real blessing, to go Monday morning uh, out to the manga. And uh, this is a, a church that we had uh, built last year. And this is uh, Pastor Jeremiah, and we had the chance to go out and meet with the people there and have a service with them. And so this is some of us walking in. This church cost $800 to build, and it took, uh, took them one week to build this uh, church. And we were just really blessed to be in there, and uh, it was a wonderful time. We had a service. Uh, my son Steve uh, spoke there, and uh, we had the chance to have our picture made with all the folks outside. And uh, you'll get some more footage and so forth on that. And this was inside. Now, I don't know if we can play this or not. This is a video clip. I don't know if you can click that. Here you go. And hit play. Uh, you might know this African up in the front here. And um, they're singing and, and worshiping here. Sorry, we don't have the, the video sound on that. And... Uh, we got to connect with friends and people that we had known before. And then we had to turn around and head on the road and head back and make the long journey back again. This was our group. This is with uh, uh, Brother Elias on the third from the, from the left over there and Brother Malachi, uh, the missionary. And he looks after the church out in Loliondo. He's on the very right uh, over there. And uh, the brother next to Jeremy is one of the local folks in the assembly. John, come on up and uh, just greet the folks here. Tell them a little, just in a nutshell. Watch Brother Aaron preach a message in Loliando and Brother Steve in Nananga and Brother Coffee, an incredible series of messages in Arusha at the this beautiful church that uh, that you here at HBT uh, helped to build. And to see just to see those people walking around enjoying the grounds, uh, worshiping inside the church and um, <clears throat> And the, the building is so much nicer than the areas around it. The walls there around the church are shared with homes. And little children were looking through their windows into the church, bedroom windows into the church courtyard. 
and listening to the music and enjoying the service, waving and, and talking to us. And it's just an incredible experience that I thought I would never be able to experience. And um, going with Brother Thomas and Sister Bolina, as he was saying, the first uh, couple to convert. You saw Brother Malachi on the end there, uh, on our far left. We, um, <clears throat> our contacts are there in Arusha, but he is a missionary to the Messiah, and they love him. And uh, he's visited several tribes out of many that he plans to continue to visit. And you have provided him with motorcycle and transportation. But, uh, but because of that, it opened up, I think, that trip to Loliando. And it was just incredible mm-hmm. to be among the yeah. Messiah people and to meet believers there. Um, the, the, the brother that initially came in there had uh, five young men who had converted uh, before they began to form the church. And they were all there, and they all had a testimony and it was just an incredible event. So I thank uh, Brother and Sister Coffey and HBT for providing us the opportunity to go to Africa and to see what God is doing over there and to see the fruits of, of your labor here at Hickory Bible Tabernacle. So thank you and thank you, Brother Coffey. Amen. God bless you, Brother John. Thank you. <clears throat> I had to get a couple of pictures of John. I haven't showed him, but I had to get a couple of pictures of John because he turned into John the Evangelist uh, instead of John the Teacher over there in Africa. I'll bring that out. So he's out roaming around on the platform and, and uh, ministering to the people, and uh, you know they just, they just really enjoyed it. So uh, it was a real blessing. Well, we have more to show you, but uh, let's turn to the Word this morning, and let's go to the book of Jeremiah, if you will. I'd like to take a little passage here this morning. Sorry to take up so much preliminary time, uh, but I trust it was a little blessing to you to see that. And uh, we're, we're going to just begin this topic knowing that we won't complete it here, but let's just uh, take this topic because this is a, uh, a great thing that was spoken of back in the days of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 14, and we're going to look at verse 8. Oh, the hope of Israel, the Savior thereof in time of trouble. Why shouldst thou be as a stranger in the land and as a wayfaring man that turneth aside to tarry for a night? Why shouldst thou be as a man astonished as a mighty man that cannot save? Yet thou, O Lord, are in the midst of us, and we are called by thy name, Leave us not. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. Now, we want to uh, just focus for a few moments on, on the word expectation. And expectation is, a, is an important biblical word, along with the words like hope and faith and so forth. And we, uh, we, we have a, an understanding in the English language of what that word means when uh, you know, young children are coming close to their birthday. They have expectations. Uh, if you watch my grandkids, it's funny as anything. You, you hand my grandkids a, a flyer. Maybe it comes in a newspaper and, it, you know, they'll you hand them a flyer and we'll say, hey, circle what you'd like to have for your birthday. Their strategy is always the same. And they've, I don't think they've ever uh, coordinated this, but their strategy is always the same. They say, nanny, give me a marker. And they'll circle every single thing in the flyer hand it to her, because I guess they assume that if I circle everything and I only got half, I'd still have a lot of stuff. And they have great expectations when it comes to that. So 
Uh, we understand what that word is in, in, our, in our culture and in our vernacular. But uh, in, in the Bible, it's just a little bit different. And sometimes it's best expressed by contrasting uh, the expectation of something and the reality of how it really is. So we can have an expectation about something, but the reality of it is, the, the reality can be actually quite different. So we would, we would think, well, uh, you know, I often talk to people like Brother John, first time going to Africa, he's seen lots of pictures, heard lots of stories, listened to testimonies uh, about uh, going to a place like that, and you have expectations. When you get there, the reality is often quite different. And we experience lots of that in life. So let me give you a couple of quick examples here uh, of that, of that uh, point, and then we'll go from there. We'll build on that. So during the time of the pandemic, there was a lot of people who had great expectations of what it would be like to work from home, right? And we all thought, wow, this is the way it's going to be, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to set it up this way. The reality actually was probably quite different for most people. When people hear about places in the world and they want to go, uh, they can have an expectation, this is the way the Great Wall of China is going to be. In reality, that's probably what the Great uh, Wall of China looks like on a weekend. And uh, it, it's, it's sometimes uh, quite, a sh- quite a shock, quite a startling thing uh, for people to face the reality of how things really are. One of the most crushing things that have ever happened to me in my life was uh, many years ago, and I'm going to say this tongue-in-cheek here, and I'm only going to explain it because we have some people who haven't heard this little story here, and I don't want anybody to react to this, okay? I don't want anybody to send me photographs or memes or anything about this, but years ago when I was a wee lad, I remember rooting around in my parents' closet because being from uh, an English culture, from the culture of England, uh, we always had biscuits and tins. Always. And there were great biscuits that we had. Cookies in our uh, our language. And uh, really nice fancy cookies. And they came in the tin. Always came in the tin. And one one time I was rooting around in my mother's closet, which was quite a normal occurrence. And I saw the tin and took the lid off, hoping now this is going to be a real feast for me. And it was full of buttons and bobbins. And lo and behold, this is what my mother's habit was to fill up the cookie tins with all of this sewing paraphernalia. It was one of the great disappointments of my life. I had a great expectation when I saw it, and the reality was that there was nothing in there to eat at all. Now, last time I showed this was a number of years ago. I got all kinds of pictures and stories and internet stuff about these box uh, cans of biscuits here. So I'm asking you, don't send me any of those or... Anything with cats on it, because it, it just tends to ruin my... It brings back the memory. But it, you, you, I hope you're getting the point that you can have an expectation about something, but the reality can be quite different. A lot of people have expectations about their marriage, and the reality can be a little different than what they expected. A lot of people think, if I get married, you know what? That'll solve all my problems, and everything will be great. I'll never have any disappointments or frustrations. That'll be the solution for everything in my life. And the reality is that, you know what, these are still the same two people uh, that walked one direction down the aisle and walked another direction down the aisle, and marriage didn't change them at all. And so, therefore, uh, this, this idea of expectation is quite important to us because Israel lived for 4,000 years in expectation of the coming of the Messiah. And expectation is defined as believing that something's going to happen 
or believing that something should happen a certain way. And so there's a lot, a lot of passion very often involved uh, with people's expectations. And, you know, there's, there's uh, uh, like, for instance, in an election, uh, you know, when people expect, oh, we get a new government, we're going to elect a new president, and we're going to have somebody in there. Our expectations are, wow, he promised this, and he promises that, and he promised something else. And then the reality is often quite different. But there's still no less passion uh, when it comes to expectation. Unfortunately, a lot of people can be very sincere, but they can be sincerely wrong when it comes to expectations. All right? So that's the definition. Now, Brother Branham says in the world falling apart, he said the Romans in that day, they were looking for a Messiah, a politician, a super politician. And they wanted somebody to come down from Jupiter, come with a chariot of fire and sun behind his head. They wanted to beat down the Greeks and master the whole world. And the Greeks wanted that kind of a Messiah to come and tell them just exactly uh, the kind of strategy that they would use to beat the Romans down. Everybody has their own, uh, their own ambitions here. And the Jews were looking for a general, some man that was coming with a rod of iron in his hand and a line of the tribe of Judah, and he was going to rule all nations. Well, that's, I get it. That's all Bible, isn't it? That's all scripture. He was referred to as the line of the tribe of Judah. He was referred to as a king. He was referred to as a conqueror. And he was referred to one who would become the ruler of the world. And, and so I get it. Uh, this, is, this is what the expectation of people actually was. And Brother Branham goes on to say that uh, this ruler would run the Rome into the river and drown them. And Israel was going to take over. I get it. God did that before in the Red Sea and the Egyptians and so forth. But when he come exactly the way the scripture said he would come, but they was looking for him in a different way. So he came exactly the way the scripture said, but unfortunately a lot of people had misinterpreted the scripture and they had applied a meaning. They had applied an interpretation to this and unfortunately they were wrong. They were looking at the right thing, but coming up with the wrong conclusion. And that made people think differently about how it actually happened. And then Brother Branham says that all-important statement that I've, we've mentioned before, uh, in the bottom there, he says, I wonder if it wouldn't be the same today. If he come, if we, if we wouldn't think that. We have our own ideas about what he ought to be. Now, that was 1963. We're well ahead of that. And we've learned at least that, uh, you know, it's probably not going to be the way that denominational people think about it. It's not going to be that the way that the world describes it. But yet I would be, uh, I think, um, doing everybody a, a service uh, to at least say this, that no matter how well we think we have it figured out, we're probably not exactly right in terms of the coming of the Lord and how he would appear the second time and how all of those things actually unfold and how everything concludes. And we think, well, okay, uh, you know, we're just going to ride on a wave of revival until the bride is so excited we're going to get taken out of here uh, the scripture actually speaks about other things that are going to be in place during that time as well. I don't doubt that there will be a revival among the bride, uh, but we're also looking at a world that's right going to be on the edge of tribulation during that time. And remember now, ages overlap, don't they? 
Ages don't just have an abrupt finish and an abrupt start. They have an overlap. So I think the closer we get to that moment when we leave here, there's going to be an overlap of tribulation uh, in this world in a greater way than what we would probably expect. What form that will take or the descriptions of the squeeze, even that Brother Branham talked about, are very slim. We don't have a lot of detail about how it's going to be. And that's God's design because, you know, uh, the Lord sure to, could have surely put descriptions on the heart of Brother Branham to tell us this is what you're going to face. This is what it's going to be like. This is how things are going to be. This is what you need to do with your money. This is how you need to save. Uh, these are the things that you need to prepare for. If, if God had laid that on the, on the heart of Brother Branham to say that, he would have said that. And I think probably if he had said that, we would have all become professional preppers. Spiritual preppers. And God, I don't think, wanted us to be that way. I think he wanted us to remain embedded in the populations that we've been embedded in to be a witness of the hope that God's people have. He did not want us, I don't think, to be isolated in some remote area of Montana in a cave somewhere or a big cave somewhere. Uh, I believe that he wanted us to be integrated in the society that he's called us to be in so that we could be witnesses of uh, God's only de- form of deliverance in the time when it comes. And to still to be witnessing and still to be sharing the good news that we have. So you can imagine and... This is not a hard stretch for you to imagine that uh, back in the time when Jesus actually came, the expectation of the people back then in the coming of the Messiah was much more like this. Some golden stairway cranked out of the heavens and the Messiah would roll down and take control of the uh, cosmos. He would destroy the Romans and Israel would be free again, enjoying the goodness of God like it was in the days of David and Solomon. Everybody following me? Now, that's probably a bit of a stretch, but a lot of people felt like this is, you know, at least the Pharisees thought he was going to be a Pharisee. And at least the Sadducees would have felt the same way. Every group feels like if there's going to be a Messiah, it's going to come out of my group. It's going to, because after all, we're right. Everybody thinks they're right. And so the expectation for the coming of the Messiah, uh, you know, was built upon thousands of years of expectation about, I think the Bible means this, and I think the scriptures mean that, and I think the prophets prophesied this, and this is what this is going to look like. And Brother Man mentions many times that this is what it's going to look like, but the reality was so much different. So what a stretch it must have been for the people in that day to, to, to wander in and see a scene like this, And then put it together that all of these scriptures in the Old Testament actually spoke about this kind of an event happening. You have to give the people of that era a break. And Brother Branham comes along and many times he says, you know what? He says, I wonder could that be possible today? Where all kinds of people have all kinds of ideas about how it's all going to unfold in the last day. And even though the scripture verses are all there, Malachi 4 was, has been there for thousands of years. But yet a lot of people never accepted or believed that William Branham was the fulfillment of that verse about Malachi 4 and how he said a prophet would come. Isn't that right? I mean, Brother Branham didn't invent the verse. Brother Branham didn't place it there. It's always been there. And people have always been able to read it. But yet when it actually happened, there's a lot of people looked at it and said, you know what, they warned, ministers warned their people. They said, hey, you can go for the miracles, bring grandma, she'll probably get healed, get yourself a prayer card and enjoy the benefits, but don't believe a thing that he teaches. All kinds of ministers told that to their people. 
So this idea of expectation is very important because if we're, if we're expecting something, we better be on target. If we're expecting something, we better be right. And therefore, what you're hearing, the prophecies you're hearing, and uh, you know the teaching that you're hearing, it's, it, it should be to come back and be tied to the scripture or we can easily get off base like people did in every other era. Right? You've got to be tied back to the Bible. You've got to be tied back to the light of the hour. Otherwise, it's really easy for us to be misguided even by our own thinking about what that means. All right? So that's, that's our uh, little intro part here. Now, when we, when, we, uh, when we come here to an example like in Ruth and Naomi, uh, they're in Israel, they're gleaning from the fields, they know that Boaz is there. I love Naomi's words, and this is what it says in Ruth chapter 3. And when she, Ruth, came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. This was Ruth and Boaz's exchange. And then afterwards, uh, she's telling Naomi... And she said, three, uh, the, the six measures of barley gave me, uh, gave he me. And he said to me, go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. And then said she, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not rest until he have finished the thing this day. So don't you worry. Don't, don't go ahead of God. Don't, don't try to interpret this. Don't try to, uh, fix this in any way. Uh, God's in control and this is a sign that, uh, God's gonna fix it. So we're just gonna put our, our, our hope here in Boaz and Boaz is gonna carry this out. Just rest in this. Now I, I find that, uh, the more I, I've read that verse, I find that that's probably a real good piece of advice for us as well. That rather than try to put your energy into interpreting the Bible and thinking that it's going to come out this way, I think it'd be good for you just to rest. Hey, our Boaz is going to work it all out. He's going to get his bride from here to there. Don't you worry. Don't fret. Don't spend your time interpreting things or trying to figure it out. There are going to be all kinds of squirrely and wacky things that are going to take place before the bride leaves here. And you're better off not getting disappointed because your thoughts are sidetracked here and there. Just put yourself, just sit at his feet for a while and watch how he brings it to pass. Just sit at his feet for a while and watch how God does it because God's already got it figured out. He knows the future just like you know the past and God's going to get it done. Don't you worry. And don't try to, uh, like like uh, Naomi did not tell Ruth, he's going to do this next and that next and that next. He didn't, she didn't do that. She just said, hey, my daughter, just sit still. Follow the pillar of fire and let it lead you to where God wants you to take it. Now remember, Brother Branham said, it won't go to everybody. The understanding won't go to everybody. The mysteries are not revealed to everybody. The understanding of what's happening in your time doesn't go to everybody. He said, when Jesus was on earth, not over one third of the Jewish race ever knew that he was on earth. You know that. And he come to the elected and they received it. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Right? Isn't that right? So he came to Israel, but all Israel didn't accept him. But he came unto uh, those ones, and those ones that did accept him, they became the sons of God. And so Brother Bram say he came to the elect, and they received it. And that's where the Spirit goes tonight, is to the elected. Say this with me. Thank God I'm elected. Let me tell you something. You didn't do anything to elect yourself. God elected you from before the foundation of the world. And that's where the spirit goes tonight. That's where God's moving tonight is among the elect. That's where God is visiting tonight. And that's where God's speaking tonight is to the elect of, of the hour that are on the earth. Isn't that right? 
God's not dealing with the elect of other ages. God's not dealing with the elect, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in future times. God is dealing with the elect that are on the earth tonight. And if you're a member of that group tonight, let me tell you, expect that God will deal with you and he'll want to show you more things to come. Take your Bible, if you will. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 35. And I'd like you to read this with me. I want you to actually see, I want you to see where it is in your, uh, in your Bible tonight. Isaiah chapter 35. Now this is interesting because it's prophecy given about Israel and uh, their restoration. If you go back a chapter, it is the description of Armageddon, which is the great global conflict that will come come to pass in the last days. If you go to chapter 36, it talks about an invasion uh, by Sennacherib, who comes and tries to overtake uh, the, uh, the Jews uh, in their uh, in in their in their country, and so we have destruction and we have turmoil and we have pressure on both sides of this chapter. But this chapter itself is a beautiful one, and it says in verse one, "The wilderness and the solitary places shall be glad for them." This is Israel returning. All right, that's what this is about. And the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. The country, the land itself, will actually be glad because now the land will be inhabited. And when God's people inhabit the land and they're blessed by God, the land will change. And that's what Isaiah is saying. When God's people come to their place, everything around them is is now more beautiful. Everything around them is better. That's the way it should be in our lives. Isn't that right? When God comes to you as the elect and God uh, inhabits your life, your, your life should be better than what it was back then. Right before you knew God. I can tell you something. I can witness and I got the pictures to show it. I can tell you something that my life, my surroundings, my my daily life is way better today than what it was before I knew God. Way better. Some of you got pictures to show too. And this is what Isaiah is prophesying. And he says, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Now Israel, the deserts of Israel don't all look like this. This must be an enhanced picture. But nonetheless, when, uh, if you go to Israel today, or if you want to go in next November, uh, the, 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 the areas where Israel cultivates and they grow and they grow foods and so forth are quite different than the deserts that surround them. And it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it and the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. <clears throat> These are mountains and valleys around Israel. And they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. And say to them that are of a a fearful heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. He will come. That's our title this morning. And this is what Isaiah was prophesying to Israel. Hey, he will come. Strengthen the feeble knees. Spread the word, in other words. And don't be downcast, don't be downhearted, because on the left side, chapter 34 is all about a war. On the right side is all about a war. Hey, there's troubles all around us, but right in the middle of that, God's people who have been placed in the right place, they're saying to one another, hey, be strong, hang in there. God's in control. He will come and he will restore Israel completely black, 
back to where it should be. Don't you get it, folks? That's exactly the same place that we are today. Exactly the same place. That in the, in the time of trouble and all around us on all sides, there's all kinds of darkness and worry and fear and people are not uh, certain about what's coming and all the other things that are going on. Hey, right in the middle of that, God's called the people out of nowhere and placed them on a, 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 a rock and said, hey, you've got the message of the hour. You've got the word of life. You've got the truth here. And what you should do is encourage one another with it. And don't let the outside circumstances affect you there. Uh, it's, it's God's in con- complete control. And verse 8, and a, and a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness, and the unclean shall pass over it. But it shall be for those the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. And no lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. And it shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs that everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. And they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So on either side of this great prophecy is trouble and darkness and war. But right in the middle of that, God speaks to his people and says, hey, hey, listen, it's going to be all right. And you watch as you, as you sit in heavenly places in Christ, you watch the blossoming go on in your life. Hey, you know what? Every one of us, in our self-evaluation of ourselves, we look in the mirror, we might look in our bank account, we might look in our, uh, you know, our household and we say, well, you know, we're still living in the same house we were in 30 years ago and I can't get my kids to pick up their socks and, uh, you know, dad's still working on the same job and everything else. But you know what? In, in a real way, all of us, I'd have to say all of us are really blessed to know Christ in a real way. All of us are really blessed. You may be struggling with health, but I'll tell you what, God's introduced a whole new avenue of healing that we never knew about before we knew him. We have resources that the world doesn't know anything about. We have a place to turn. We have a tree of life that we can take the leaves from and we can enjoy the healing blessing and the healing promises God's given to us. We never knew that when we were out in the world. And people out in the world don't, uh, you know, they don't believe that. They don't, they don't trust in that. But I will tell you something that even if all of our hospitals closed or like the people in Ukraine, they get blown up and the power's cut off and there's no water and they're evacuating people out of the hospitals there. They're not alone. They're not without a resource. They're not without, uh, you know, some, some sort of a, uh, a place that they can turn. They can always turn to God because he said, I'll never leave them nor forsake them. And they have a place to turn. Are you with me this morning? And so when you think about it, in the middle of all of this here, uh, God is, God is exter- uh, you know, comparing uh, what this land was and compared to the world around you, he's describing an extremely different picture for the people of God. We are a people who have hope. We're a people who have great hope. Because we know that God's, we know according to the scripture that God's going to do great things. And with that hope comes a faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And God's gave us a message that contains rapturing faith so we could hear it and have the right kind of faith and the right kind of outcome. And God wants us to have that. He wants us to enjoy that. He wants us to believe that one day uh, this is going to come to pass just exactly as the scripture has said it. Again, here's Brother Branham. God have mercy on this sinful generation of people. And if that be God's word, every word is the truth. If, if this is God's word, every word of it is the truth. Every word. He said, live by it, die by it, and the Holy Spirit faith will puncture every promise with an amen. And that's the reason that people miss it, because they want to get it the way they want it, but God gives it the way he wants to give it, 
We got one set way. God has it in his way. God does it in his way, but we have one set way. There's a lot of people who feel in uh, different denominational circles and religious circles. They feel like, uh, you know, this is the way, this is the way we believe it. And it's the way it's got to happen. You're better off never, ever telling God that God's going to have it his way. He's going to do it his way. All right. So let's define these real quick here. Expectation is a strong belief that something's going to happen or be the case in the future. I really want it to be this way. The difference between hope and expectation is important because uh, a, a, an expect, sorry, a hope is a, oh, sorry, an expectation is a demanding exactly what we want to happen regardless of what is actually happening. An expectation can be a really wanting something to happen regardless of what is actually happening. We really want to be wealthy, although you know what? The reality is uh, we're in debt up to our eyeballs and we got to take care of this debt and so forth. And we got to fix this and we got to pay that off uh, before we accumulate any wealth. A lot of people who are in debt don't want to hear that. Pretty quiet. A lot of people in debt don't want to hear that because there's hardly anything more boring than having to pay off debt. Probably the next most boring thing is saving. Savings is a really boring thing because you just lay aside and lay aside and lay aside and uh, you leave it alone. I mean, it's a very boring thing. It's, it's not full of action. But if you, if you want to take your savings out and buy a, a couple of plane tickets and go to uh, the uh, Mira River in Kenya and watch the Willoughby's cross over and there's crocodiles in the water chewing them up and there's lions on both sides of the banks of the river eating them up when they jump out of the river. Now that's exciting. That's exciting. Saving money is not. So there, the, the, the action, there's, there's an expectation that people have. They really want it to be this way. But the reality is that something is, is happening another way. Expectation is typically fixed and frozen. It's unable to give or bend or to change. And often uh, people are limited to their previous experiences. And unfortunately, a lot of people are uh, <clears throat> limited or tied to their previous experiences, and this is the way uh, that I experience it, and this is the way it's going to be. So I have an expectation that my uh, family is going to be a failure because the family I grew up in is a failure, and they come into marriage with that expectation. And you know what? God's word and, God, and a new birth is the thing that can turn that around. Now, uh, just very briefly here, hope is a desire, though, for something to happen. It is flexible. It responds to all situations instead of battling against the ones that appear to be opposite. Hope admits the reality of something. It desires good for another, but gives them room to change over time. And we can hope for more than what we know, and we can hope for something better. So hope is a lot more flexible, and hope is going to give uh, a little bit of a stretch here in terms of uh, you know, uh, what, what, what actually is the reality of a situation. The last sentence there, and we may need to adjust our hopes, but we can always keep hoping. Hope helps us to keep moving forward. So that's just slightly the difference there. All right, let's apply that now. In Isaiah chapter 49. Now watch this scripture here. This is really a great uh, scripture. If you have your Bible open there to the last passage of Isaiah, just flip over to 49, if you will. Read it with me. Because I've only got a couple of verses here. And uh, let's go to verse 1, Isaiah chapter 49. 
Again, Isaiah is very clear, and uh, he, he's making uh, the expectation of the hope of Israel very clear. Listen, O Isles, verse 1 unto me, and hearken ye people from far. The Lord has called me from the womb, and from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand. Hath he hid me, and he make me like a polished shaft in his quiver, and he has hid me. He has hid me, and I and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. So in other words, he's describing Isaiah like a weapon. I'm going to use you to break through. I'm going to use you to cut through all of the misconception. We're going to bring the truth here. He's made me like a polished shaft in his quiver. He's made me effective to be able to speak. He's given me the voice. He's given me the insight. He's given me put words in my mouth here. And verse 4, and then I said, I have labored in vain, I have spent my strength for naught, and in vain, yet surely my judgment is with the Lord, and my work with, uh, with my God. And now saith the Lord, that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. This is the return of Israel. And though Israel be not gathered, yet will I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, it is, a, is it a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel? I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. Now, I don't know if you caught it, but in verse 6 here, there's a dual prophecy there, that you are going to be the one, and he's speaking of Christ, who is going to restore the tribes of Israel and bring them all back again. And in the same verse, you're also going to be a light to the Gentiles. He's not just speaking about Paul here as, as one who goes to the Gentiles. Paul's a messenger to the Gentiles, of course. But this is about Christ. And he's going to bring, bring all mankind back. He's going to restore Israel back again. And, and that's, what, that's what's going to take place. And then in 7, he says, Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorred, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. So this is the prophecy and the hope that uh, Isaiah speaks of to the children of Israel, that one day God God will come, and he'll come in a way that he'll affect all mankind, he'll affect all the earth. And, and this is the way that it's going to be. God's going to restore the tribes of Jacob and he's going to raise them back up again. They're scattered all over the world. Uh, we've been beaten up in captivity and uh, all these other occupying forces like the Romans here have oppressed us. But you know what? He's going to restore. He's going to restore the preserved of Israel. Read it there. He's going to restore the preserved of Israel and I will also give thee as a light to the Gentiles. We never, we never could anticipate from that verse how it's actually going to happen, how Israel would reject Christ and Paul would take the gospel and turn to Israel and, or the Gentiles in Acts 13. Lo, I take it from thee and give it to another. And, and we never expected that it was going to happen this way, but that's exactly what this verse is talking about. That God will be both a light and salvation to the Jewish people and also to the Gentiles as well. Now let's look, because this is the verse... That Simeon embedded in his heart probably learned as a young boy about what is actually going to happen. That God would come as a light. He'd come as a redeemer. And so he's standing in the temple and he's waiting. He's just and devout. You'll hear this scripture read over the Christmas season. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's actually waiting for the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 49. Because that's the promise. God said, I'm going to do this in Israel. And here's Simeon. He's waiting for that. If God said it, going to bring it to pass. 
And God indicated to him that it was going to happen in his lifetime. He was going to see this Redeemer. So every day he gets up and goes to the temple. He's not indifferent about it. Every day he gets up and goes to the temple and he believes Isaiah 49 is going to come to pass. At least God's going to show him the fulfillment of this in his, in his lifetime. And he's standing there. And when Mary and Joseph pass by and they've got the little baby there, no one else has taken notice of them. No one else is saying, whoa, that's him. But something about Simeon recognizes there's a presence. And he immediately turns to them. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost. It was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then, skip a couple of verses there, and this is what Simeon said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And if you look in the, uh, in the, in the scripture, that's the, that's the reference there. Isaiah chapter 49, that's exactly what he's referring to. Mine eyes have seen this. Everything is not restored. The Gentiles are not a part of this yet. But you know what? God's doing something. Let me just stop and say this. Your ability to see God doing something in the day God's doing it is a really great privilege. I said your ability to recognize God doing something in the day that God's doing it is a tremendous thing. Because there were so many people in that day, like I said, you take the people who were in the temple, no one else understood or realized who this little couple actually was with their firstborn child. But Simeon's got access to the mind of God. He's got access to the, to the, uh, the revelation of what's being fulfilled right in his day. Because God's told him, I got a revelation that God's going to let me see this in my lifetime. So he's going to church every day with the expectation it's going to come to pass. His ability to see what God was doing in the day that God was doing it was a great benefit to Simeon. And I think this, that he was vastly in the majority. He was certainly outnumbered uh, in his day. And now we find ourselves in our time. And for those of you that are here today and God has revealed and God has dealt with your heart and shown you things that pertain to this hour. And you're able to see what God's doing in the hour that God's doing it. There really should be no ceasing of our thanksgiving to God. There really should be no lack of praise to God because you're able to see something that the world uh, really has no revelation about. Because if they did, they'd act differently. If they did, they'd certainly act differently. Satan's going to fight that, we know. The, the world is going to, you know, it becomes darker and darker because the Bible doesn't say that revelation is upon the world. It says that gross darkness is upon the world, right? And there's trouble all around. There's, the, you know, the, the preliminaries to tribulation, the preliminaries to Armageddon. And, you know, we can easily see that uh, all of these things are, are moving and being shaped in the world and, Hey, listen, folks, wake up. All the pressures, all the sanctions, all the threats against Russia, Russia's still there, right? I, I don't say that they're the same as what they were before, but you know what? They're still there. And God will allow them to remain until all the prophecies about Russia are fulfilled. I don't believe they're all fulfilled, and that's why they're still there. Because there are other nations that have been swept up and shut down because of war. But, you know, they're still over there. I'm not, I'm not condoning them and I'm not supporting them at all. But, you know what? If God's got more, something more for Russia to do, Russia will remain. 
If God's got something for the United Nations to do, they'll remain until God fulfills it. Uh, because it's not their choice. It's not their smarts. It's not their uh, tactical ability or their tactical superiority. It's not the amount of money that they have in the bank. Let me tell you, it's God's design that certain nations are going to do certain things. And God's raised them up just like he raised up Nebuchadnezzar to carry the children of Israel uh, down into Babylon there. And God holds all of those things in his hand. And you're the one that's living there saying, checking off the boxes and saying, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what's happening. And what you don't realize is that you're you're seeing what God is doing in in a particular day. And to have that ability to see what God's doing in the time he's doing it put you in a very exclusive category. Not a category for which we boast, but a category for which we give thanks. Not a category about which we boast, but a category that we just say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. And thank you, Lord, for treating me like a man like Simeon, that you've, you've alerted me. And every time I come to church, I want to come with an expectation that this could be the day, this could be the season. This could be the series that Brother Barry starts. That wraps it all up. And he says, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared from the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Those two things now are going to begin to come to pass. Because here Simeon recognizing that God started that. God's released a tripwire. Now all of a sudden it's, it, it's now beginning to unfold. So now we'll see the glory of the people of Israel. Now we'll see the light to the Gentiles. Now all of those things can happen because God set it in motion here. But think about this. Here are the disciples who walked with Jesus, lived with Jesus, ate the bread and the fish, drank the wine, saw the dead raised, looked on the cross and looked in the empty tomb. And in Acts chapter 1, they're still asking the same question. When they therefore came together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? They've got an expectation that when the Messiah came, he's going to do this and this and this. So are you, going to, are you going to run the Romans out? Is this going to be like the time of David, the time of Solomon? And they're, they're still asking that question to Jesus. And he says to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. In other words, why can't you be like Naomi? Why don't you be like Naomi and just say, let me do it. I got it. I got this, folks. I got your back. I know where this is going. And I know the timing for all of this. Just relax. Boaz will do it. He'll take care of it. Right? That's what Jesus is telling the people there. And he said unto them, it's not for you to know, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And this is going to be, uh, this is going to be the, the, the season now where all of this comes to pass. And God's going to use you in it. But what you need to do is go and receive power so that you can be vessels. You can be like Isaiah, like a polished shaft. You can be an arrow in his quiver. You can be a spear in his hand. You can be effective for the kingdom and break through if you just let God use you. And that's what he's telling him. He's not, he's not referring at all to the end of time. He's not referring at all uh, to how uh, things are going to roll on for another couple of thousand years. They would have had no idea. They're still thinking, their expectation is that, uh, you know what, when, when the Messiah comes, we will be minus the Romans. He's going to take care of the Romans. That's exactly what he's going to do. And they were sincere, and you would be too if you had the Roman uh, power ruling over you. But I will tell you what, their expectation was misguided. 
So the expectation and the reality can be two different things. Now we're not going to be able to get through all of this here because there's more to this. And the whole, uh, the whole end time Christmas scenario and all of the, uh, all of the uh, scriptures and chapters that are dedicated to the first coming of Christ and how he was born on the earth. They encompassed a lot of things. And Brother Bram said there was all kinds of prophecies fulfilled in the first coming of Christ. And all kinds of things fulfilled when he died on the cross. And so those are worth exploring. But let me say this. And let me just leave you with this thought. Because there are times when every one of us, we can be looking at circumstances and you can know that God is dealing with your heart about something. And you can come to a conclusion. You can make a decision. Now, the way Brother Branham talks about God dealing with us is different in different ways. He'll deal with a man differently than he'll deal with a woman, for instance. I don't know if you know that. But if God wants to deal with a woman, he'll deal with her relationship with her husband. That's one way to get a woman's attention. And he'll also deal with her children. Something goes wrong with one of her children. Let me tell you, mom's antennas go up. Or you pick on one of, the, one of her children and all of a sudden this she-bear quality comes out. So God has ways of dealing with a woman. That's not the same way that God deals with a man. God will deal with a man, first of all, about his employment, about his job, about the thing that he does. Because a lot of times you'll say, well, hey, Jeff Jackson, yeah, I heard you go to HBT. What, what do you do? I'm a fireman. I'm a, I work in a plant. And, you know, you're, we're quick to say those things. You know, we're quick to identify who we are because our work is important. <clears throat> People ask me, what do I do? I say, I just tell stories. That's all I do. <laughs> the, other th- the other way that God will deal with me is in my relationship with my wife. Because when there's something that's not right there, I'll tell you what, that gets, that gets my antenna up. That gets me thinking about things because you know what i've said this to my kids before i never made a vow to you (laughs) so you know what our relationship has got it might have an end point here buddy don't you get too secure here and don't think that i've got to bend over backwards for you just because you're my son here made no vow to you but when it comes to my wife now that's a different story because i made a vow to her and that vow is until death. Death is the thing that dissolves that vow. And really, to me, that's only temporary until you reunite on the other side. You're going to meet your wife on the other side, right? You hope. You're making quite an assumption there, buddy. So to me, it's not a temporary thing. It, it's, a, it's a thing that I believe will last to eternity. So... So that, but that's something that, that God will deal. But I will tell you something that in my experience, you know, the, the expectation is as a single fellow that you want to get married, right? And all this row said, stay out of trouble. Just shut your mouth. Just stay out of trouble. <clears throat> the expectation is that you, you know, you want to get married. But the reality is, is that sometimes couples can go through difficult things. They might, they might be absolutely in the will of God. They might be in the perfect will of God. But it can be trying sometimes. It can be challenging. Because your evaluation of that person is really very surface when you're, uh, when you're courting together. 
very surface. I mean, guys dressed as dapper as you and, you know, suave, charismatic, debonair, independently wealthy and <laughs> handsome. My goodness. And so I might look at you and say, whoa, he's a candidate. Did I hear the word date in there? Oh, must be the will of God. Look how I feel. A lot of that is just element. <laughs> Sorry, should I not have said that? It's all elementary. It's all outside. I really don't know how he thinks. I mean, he could be a, he could be, he could be a rank rascal for all we know, right? Yeah, I think he's admitting something here. We really don't know a lot of that's cursory. It's, it's superficial. We really don't know who that person is. It takes years for us to get to know somebody. And in that process, there can be challenges there. It doesn't mean that it's not the will of God. It just means that uh, when we face challenges, we don't turn and run because, you know what, we've made a vow. Probably never see him again. When it comes to making a life decision, oh, I'm going to move here, or I'm going to take this job, or I'm going to uh, go to college, you know, there, there might be big decisions. Brother Aaron's made a big decision in his life, you know, to, uh, you know, that places him in another part of the cosmos altogether, another part of the world. That's a huge decision, not knowing all of the things that were going to uh, unfold for him. I mean, there's no way you could have predicted you'd be here today, right? And me talking about you and and having your picture on so many pictures there, and all the other things that have happened in your life in this few short years since you made a decision. You're making a decision, well, I just feel that it's right. I just feel that this is what I should do right now. It's all you know. And by faith, we make that decision. But I'll tell you what, God knows how to allow that decision to be tried. He knows how to, you know, and and Satan will get there and say, see, I told you you did the wrong thing. Because this is not working, that's not working. Hey, he he might be exactly in the will of God, but it can still be challenging. We can have an expectation. Brother Aaron could have an expectation. This is what it's going to be like in America. This is what it's going to be like uh, you know, when I get there. And, and people who live in other parts of the world, they have expectations about America, don't they? They have all these ideas that, wow, you live in America and the money must be everywhere and all the opportunities and the big houses and all the rest of it, the easy life. And if I could only get to America, a lot of people say that, don't they? If I could only get to America, everything would be all right. And the reality is quite different. Reality can be pretty hard. Reality can be challenging to do that. It may not be at all that that person's not in the will of God. It could be in the will of God. But sometimes there are pressures and there are challenges and there are, there are things that you have to face and more things that you have to decide. To me, our job is not to try to figure out everything that's going to be ahead. The thing that you need to fall back upon is what God told you in the first place. Doesn't that make sense? Because no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you try, you can't imagine, you can't correctly figure out who you're going to marry. You just said you were going to get married. You can't figure that out. You don't know what she looks like. You don't know who she is. You don't know where she's from. Now, she has to be from here because you have to get married and stay here. All right? I'm just telling you that. I know that. (laughs) girls i know that but he, he can't imagine he can't he can't no matter how hard he tries he can't figure out the future he's got to know that god's told him he's got to know what god's told him right now and let that be the anchor 
And everything else that comes that tries to blow against that or push against that, the waves that beat against that. You know what? He's always got that anchor. He's always got that tie. This is what God told me to do. And then his expectations are not destroyed. Then his, his hope is intact. Then he can have faith that God, I, I believe that God sent me here. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I believe that God sent me here. I believe that with all my heart. And you asked some of the folks that were here when I got here. And there was, uh, we, like, like I've said to you before many times, we'd have meetings. We'd have church, whole church meetings out here in the lobby. And had plenty of room to spare. And we'd have our church dinners in that classroom right there. We'd set up food and have dinners in there. Brother Troy and Sister Connie, they'd remember. And we'd put out food in the thing. And had plenty of room for everybody to be in there. As a matter of fact, one of the founding members who was here when I got here said, you'd be a fool to come to this place. Nobody here. And I listened to all of it. But I'll tell you what, I believe that it was the right thing. And I had, I had expectations, you know, I mean, I had thoughts. But it never came out anything like I thought. But that's not what really matters. It's not really matter that I guessed right how it's going to be. What I needed to know was what God told me in the first place. And if God told me in the first place, I can always come back to that and rest on that. And realize that no matter how much criticism or how much, uh, you know, circumstantial evidence or matter how many people said, I wouldn't go there if I were you. My goodness, there's uh, 3,000 churches within 30 miles there. I wouldn't go there. Hey, listen, I, I can only tell you, I know what God told me. As a matter of fact, when I came here, when I came here, I was asking around. Asking a brother I knew, and I was asking around, well, who are the other churches here? Because I didn't know. And uh, a brother gave me 37 names of pastors who were in the 20-mile radius of this church. And it was 37 names that he gave me. I, I endeavored to find the names and addresses of every one of those ministers and wrote them all a letter. And in the letter, I said, hey, just want to introduce myself. And say, I'm in the area. I'm here at HBT, and I don't want to interfere with anything you're doing. Don't want to bother you or your assembly. God's got us a little flock here and just, uh, just laboring in the, in the same vineyard area that you are and just wanted to say, hey, and let's have coffee sometime. Let's go out and have coffee. I want to hear what you're doing. I want to hear what's going on. I wrote, as Brother Sam's laughing here, and I wrote 37 different letters. Guess how many replies I got? Now look, the mail is slow, all right? Sorry, Sister Karen. The mail can be slow. Now, that was 2008. I got one response back. And that one response was from Jewel Forney. And Jewel Forney called me up on the phone. He said, Brother Barry. (laughs) He said, God bless you, brother. He said, welcome to the neighborhood. He said, I live 20 minutes from your church. Welcome to the neighborhood. And I asked a brother who doesn't live here, and I asked him, I said, why didn't anybody else write to me? Why wouldn't anybody else write? He looked at me and he said, like, duh, they don't want you here. And I thought to myself, well, uh, you know, that's, that's really silly because I, I and, and, Hey, we'll give all people the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not being, I'm not being critical in any way. I'm really not. I'm just, I'm just saying that I didn't, I, I didn't want to. And I expressed that. I didn't want to be a threat or an interruption to anything anybody else is doing. 
But I wrote the letter because I knew, I knew, I knew what God had told me to do. And I wanted to, hey, if we're going to sojourn together, if we're going to labor together in the vineyard, let's work together. It's better for us to be working together than to be working apart. It's better for us to be, you know, communicating and cooperating as best we can and uh, coming to one another's aid and, uh, you know, helping one another out uh, than to be, you know, throwing stones at one another. There's no profit in that. Butting heads only proves who's got the harder head. None of that's profitable. Because I've all, I, I'm saying I always had to come back to what God told me, not what I had figured out. I can tell you that the choices you made, even in the, the choice you make, even in the will of God, can be can be very difficult. They can be tried because God never has ever promised us the easy way. He's never promised us a, a, a you know a, a passageway full of ease. He's never he's never promised us that hey listen once you're in me once you're in Christ hey everything's okay. The reality is is that you've entered a battlefield, you've entered a warfare. And in that time of warfare, especially when we have Armageddon on one side and we got darkness on the other side and all the other pre-tribulation things that are going on, you know what? We've got to come back to what God's promised us in the last day. He said, I'll be with you even in you. And I, we, we, can, we, can, we can rest back like Naomi said and say, hey, Boaz is going to take care of this. That's what I know. I know that Boaz, he's a near kinsman. And you know what a kinsman redeemer is that? He's a redeemer. He's going to do it in his time, his way. He's got the resources. You know what? We're going to rest in that. I just am glad that I know. I'm glad I'm tied to, to Boaz. And I, I don't have a thing to worry about. I can honestly tell you, I do not know what the squeeze is going to eventually entail. I do not know all the factors about what this world's going to look like when we leave here. I don't know. I don't have those details. I've searched the message and I, I've, I've wondered. I've talked to other people and I don't always know. I don't know whether, uh, you know, the people uh, will see the California earthquake. I don't, you know, the timing. of There's all kinds of things in there that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to thus say it the Lord anybody on at all because there's things here that I'm just going to have to leave to God. But I do know this. I do know that God sent a prophet, and that prophet brought a message. That message turned my heart back to Christ. And in the, in the arms of Christ, I can rest just like Naomi said. He'll do it. Let's stand on our feet. Let's stop there. Because here are very well-meaning people, very sincere people, those disciples, and they're asking the question, way up the road, Lord, will thou at this time restore the kingdom? Will you restore the kingdom back to Israel? And they're 2,000 years early. They have no idea, but they're 2,000 years early. In the meantime, I'd say this, saints of God, we should do everything that God's told us to do. We should do everything that God's laid upon our heart. We should do everything we can to spread the light, to witness the gospel, to be able to travel and publish, and to be able to spread the uh, good news that God's given to us. Because I do know this, the only way out of here, the only way out of this world, That's cracking and folding up and falling apart. The only way out of here is through Christ. There is no two ways. There is no other way out of this world. That is the way home. And I believe that God will eventually get us there. I believe it's in his hands and I'm trusting in that. I'm going to make it. He's already said that I would. Let's sing that this morning here. And I want you to sing this as a declaration now what you believe. I'm going to make it. I don't know how, don't know when. But I believe I'm going to make it. Let's sing it together. 
I'm gonna make it. He's already said that I would. And I'll keep on trusting that He's working everything for my good. He walks beside me and heaven is in my view. Oh, I'm gonna make it. Sing it again now. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, now. I'm, I'm going to make Sing it now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, I'm gonna make it. He already said that I would. God's got it all under control. We believe that. I'd like to say that, this about those letters that I wrote. And uh, there's many ministers that since I sent out that letter, I've become friends with and got to know. Some of them are gone on to be with the Lord. And some of them, uh, you know, they were uh, people who, who had uh, eventually left the faith or walked away or whatever else. But, you know, some of these brothers over time, you know, and through families interconnected in different churches. We've gotten to know some of these brothers and wonderful brothers. Had them come here and, and minister for us and thankful for that. But I will tell you what, that, uh, you know, sometimes we, my point in saying that is, that, you know, sometimes you have an expectation that this is the way it's going to be. But you know what? You always had to come back to what God's told you. Come back to what God showed you. Don't be wishy-washy about that. And when we make decisions, we should be saying, Lord, make it clear. Make it firm. Let me drive down a stake right here. 
And Lord, when it's time for me to pull that up and move on, Lord, make that clear. Because we're going to need to have that stake. We're going to need to hold on to that when the winds blow strong. But this is true. Yes, sir. God's got it all in control. Puts that reassurance deep down in my soul. He's got it all in control. God's got it all. got it all in control, put that reassurance deep down in my soul, he's got it all in control, he's got it all God's got it all in control. Put that reassurance deep down in my soul. He's got it all in control. God's got it all. Yes, God's got it all. that reassurance deep down in my soul. He's got it all in control. We've been made more than
one more time.
have a baptism this morning and uh, we're always excited to have the opportunity to baptize those that want to commend their hearts into Christ's care and uh, to me it's just a wonderful thing so I'm going to slip out and uh, let Ben sing just a little bit Sister Joe's going to get baptized this morning so ready to go and uh, her mom and dad want to come up and anybody else uh, the pool is ready and anybody else that would want to come No better time, no better day than today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be able to gather with your people. and Lord, at the end of this service, to be able to commit a life into your hands. And now, Lord, we ask that you would just go with us, Lord, our separate ways, our separate places. Bring us back together, Lord, the appointed time. Our sights are fixed upon you, Lord. Hearts, Lord, are focused upon the things, Lord, that matter in the end time. And in Jesus' name, we trust our lives to you afresh. Bless Sister Jojo this morning, Lord, and Father, may she just rededicate, reconsecrate her life to you, Lord, at a young age. That desire, Lord, comes from somewhere, and we know it doesn't come from the enemy. And so, Lord, I pray you'd fulfill that longing in her heart. Give her that peace that passes understanding. Commit the people to you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, we've had this weekend to be able to fellowship together. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing it. In Christ. Up from the 
morning amen that sometimes I know I've been guilty of this numerous times my expectations of what I expect God is how he's going to handle the situation isn't the reality but somehow it comes out exactly right every time amen so no matter what hell is trying to do to you no matter what scheme of man God knows what the end of the book is amen aren't you thankful for that this morning no guilt in life for uh, Jojo's dedication and her desire to uh, walk in newness of life, to be absolutely 100% right. I, I appreciate that zeal in a young person. appreciate that zeal uh, to make sure there's nothing wanting, nothing lacking, 
and that's what she's expressed that uh, she wants to be in that place and that's a good thing God gives us that desire Satan doesn't give us that and so uh, today um, you had to understand especially you kids that are in the front row this is not Brother Barry uh, providing for her I'm only a set of hands that do the actual physical baptizing but this is something that God gets involved in he's the one who fills us and he's the one who saves us and he's the one who satisfies our longing I can't do that but he can and so we pray that uh, God will take her uh, into his hands today and fulfill that desire in her heart Heavenly Father we lay hands upon Sister Joe today and pray Lord that you would just come on the scene Lord and just as we have prayed already that Lord you would just meet that desire that she has in her heart Lord may you meet every expectation Lord and may you uh, just give her that peace that the Prince of Peace delivers Lord forgive her of every offense and every failure every weakness Lord forgive her of anything Lord in her life now and as she comes forth out of the water may she come forth in newness of life to serve you with all of her heart I commit her to you in Jesus lovely name Amen Sister Joe, based on your desire to walk in obedience to the scripture, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Falling in love with Jesus We're falling Falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I have ever done. In his arms, I feel protected. In his arms, never disconnected. In his arms I feel protected There's no place I'd rather Rather be falling in love Oh, falling in love With Jesus We're falling in love With Jesus Falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I ever done. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, we truly count it a great pleasure, Father, and an honor to be able to come into this place this morning, Father, with our brothers and our sisters to be able to worship, Lord. And Lord, we just, Lord, we ask for a couple things, Lord, this morning, if we may. Lord, uh, first, Lord, we just ask that the word that we heard this morning, Father, Lord, that it would place in our hearts, Lord Jesus. Help me, Lord, that uh, my expectations aren't set, Lord, but that instead I just put 
Lord, whatever situation I'm going to, Lord, in your hands, Father, and that I know you've got it all worked out, Lord, and that you know what the end is, Lord, and that you help us, Father, and help me, Lord, not to set my expectations. And then, Lord, our uh, little sister Jojo Irish, Father, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you will give her a special blessing, Lord Jesus. Lord, as she uh, has made this commitment, Father, to you in front of our group here, Lord, we just ask that you'll continue to bless her, Lord. Be with us, Father, the uh, remainder of this week, Lord, as uh, some are traveling to visit family for the holidays, Father, and some of us will be coming back on Wednesday here, Lord. We just ask that you'll be with everyone, Father, until we can gather again. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing that again as you go. You may be dismissed. Well, falling in love with Jesus. Oh, falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I ever ever done. Let's sing that one more time. Yes, falling in love with Jesus.